everyone. Welcome to the Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran. And sometimes it's hard to be, you know, a little mellow in the morning, but also have some energy in your voice. It helps. I listen to, well, snippets of some of the old episodes, the previous episodes. I shouldn't call them old. They're never old. They're evergreen. <laughs> I listened to some of the previous archived episodes, which, by the way, are at www.themysticshow.net. And uh, sometimes my voice is, a, I don't know, it didn't have as much energy as I wanted it to. I think it, there's some subtle energy going on with this show, for sure. And I don't think I should be, you know, the wild and crazy party guy on this show. Those days are long gone. So, welcome to the show. You're listening live. We do the show live every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we replay that morning show in the evening twice at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And that's on the Fractal Stream. That's our radio station. Uh, and the Fractal Stream has other shows as well. So you could check out the Fractal Stream when you get a chance. The website, all the different shows. Uh, but the Mystic Show is about mindfulness. It's about spirituality, meditation, not medication, meditation. <laughs> Big difference there. In fact, the world today is, most people would agree, over-medicated. Taking too many pills, too many drugs, too many quick fixes to solve the problems of our lives. And on the other hand, meditation, sitting down, relaxing, you know, working with your own mind, continuously thinking about one thought in a very passive attitude, not forcing anything, that is arguably more effective. Although, of course, you, sometimes you do need certain drugs and, and medicines and everything like that. Of course, they're necessary. No one would ever say they're not necessary. I think what most people say is that we overlook the spiritual, subtle part of our lives, and therefore we get too crazy and anxious and nervous, and then that affects our bodies, that tension you know, that dis-ease builds up in our body and then our bodies break down. They get sick. And then instead of looking toward the root cause of the sickness, which might be the anxiety and nervousness and lack of connection to divinity, instead of looking towards all that, we, some people just want to take a pill and, and forget about it, be all better. Well, not sure life works that way. What do you think? Do you think... Do you think uh, the world is over-medicated these days? Because you can call me. Remember, our phone number is on the website, but I'll give it to you now. It's 973 973-498-8033. 973-498-8033. That's the studio line. You can call that number and this phone will ring and I will answer it, most likely. <laughs> no, I, unless I'm reading from one of our books here, um, I'll definitely answer it. So themysticshow.net is our website and I'm also going to hook up a Skype account so you can, for those of you around the world who may not be able to call the phone number 
very easily or economically. I'm going to set up a Skype account so you can Skype into the show, which would be pretty cool. And of course, all our previous episodes are on the website. You can check them out. You can browse the different topics we've talked about. And um, and it, there's all the posts are tagged and everything, so you can... You can kind of search by different tags. It's, it's pretty cool, actually. I don't know if you've checked it out yet. Have you? All right. Well, we're going to jump right in here. Guess what? We're on chapter six of our book, Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. Yep, we're on chapter six. And this chapter is called Sympathy. And... If you've heard any of the previous shows, we've been reading from this book because James Allen is uh, was uh, a mystic in England. And he wrote many books. Um, later in his life, he wrote the books, I believe. I think, I think he sort of retired. At, at some point in his life, he retired and went to live somewhere else and... Then he started writing. So, you know what? I should... Um, I think someone from James Allen's family wrote the foreword to one of the books that I have. I wonder if I wonder if we could possibly speak to a member of James Allen's family. You know? That'd be... I'll have to look into that. If anyone... If you, the listener feel inclined to research that a little bit and look up and try and find someone from James Allen's family and maybe tell them that Chris Curran on the Mystic Show has been featuring James Allen every day and uh, we'd love to talk to them. Feel free. Okay, but this is chapter six. This is Sympathy. This is from the book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. We can only sympathize with others insofar as we have conquered ourselves. We cannot think and feel for others while we are engaged in condoling with and pitying ourselves. Cannot deal tenderly and lovingly with others while we are anxious for our own preeminence or for the exclusive preservation of ourselves, our opinions, and our own generally. What is sympathy but thoughtfulness for others in the forgetfulness of self? To sympathize with others, we must first understand them. And to understand them, we must put away all personal preconceptions concerning them and must see them as they are. We must enter into their inner state and become one with them, looking through their mental eyes and comprehending the range of their experience. You cannot, of course, do this with a being whose wisdom and experience are greater than your own. Nor can you do it with any if you regard yourself as being on a higher plane than others. For egotism and sympathy cannot dwell together. But you can practice it with all those who are involved in sins and sufferings from which you have successfully extricated yourself. And, though your sympathy cannot embrace and overshadow the man whose greatness is beyond you, yet you can place yourself in such an attitude towards him as to receive the protection of his larger sympathy and so make for yourself an easier way out of the sins and sufferings by which you are still enchained. 
prejudice and ill will are complete barriers to the giving of sympathy, while pride and vanity are total barriers to its reception. You cannot sympathize with a person for whom you have conceived a hatred. You cannot enjoy the sympathy of one whom you envy. You cannot understand the person whom you dislike, or he for whom, through animal impulse, you have framed an ill-formed affection. You do not, cannot, see him as he is, but see only your own imperfect notions of him. See only a distorted image of him through the exaggerated, exaggerating medium of your ill-grounded opinions. To see others as they are, you must not allow impulsive likes and dislikes, powerful prejudices, or egotistic considerations to come between you and them. You must not resent their actions or condemn their beliefs and opinions. You must leave yourself entirely out and must, for the time being, assume their position. Only in this way can you become en rapport with them and so fathom their life, their experience, and understand it. And when a man is understood, it becomes impossible to condemn him. Men misjudge, condemn, and avoid each other because they do not understand each other. And they do not understand each other because they have not overcome and purified themselves. Life is growth, development, evolution, and there is no essential distinction between the sinner and the saint. There is only a difference in degree. The saint was once a sinner. The sinner will one day be a saint. The sinner is the child. The saint is the grown man. He who separates himself from sinners, regarding them as wicked men to be avoided, is like a man avoiding contact with little children because they are unwise, disobedient, and play with toys. All life is one, but it has a variety of manifestations. The grown flower is not something distinct from the tree. It is a part of it, is only another form of leaf. Steam is not something apart from water. It is but another form of water. And in like manner, good is transmuted evil. The saint is the sinner developed and transformed. The sinner is one whose understanding is undeveloped, and he ignorantly chooses wrong modes of action. The saint is one whose understanding is ripened, and he wisely chooses right modes of action. The sinner condemns the sinner, condemnation being a wrong mode of action. The saint never condemns the sinner, remembering that he himself former, formerly occupied the same place, 
but thinks of him with deep sympathy, regarding him in the light of a younger brother or a friend. For sympathy is a right and enlightened mode of action. The perfected saint who gives sympathy to all needs it of none, for he has transcended sin and suffering and lives in the enjoyment of lasting bliss. But all who suffer need sympathy, and all who sin must suffer. When a man comes to understand that every sin, whether of thought or deed, receives its just quota of suffering, he ceases to condemn and begins to sympathize, seeing the sufferings which sin entails. And he comes to such understanding by purifying himself. As a man purges himself of passions, as he transmutes his selfish desires and puts underfoot his egotistic tendencies, he sounds the depths of all human experience, all sins and sufferings and sorrows, all motives and thoughts and deeds, and comprehends the moral law in its perfection. Complete self-conquest is perfect knowledge, perfect sympathy. And he who views men with the stainless vision of a pure heart views them with a pitying heart, sees them as a part of himself, not as something defiled and separate and distinct, but as his very self, sinning as he has sinned, suffering as he has suffered, sorrowing as he has sorrowed. Yet, withal, glad in the knowledge that they will come, as he has come, to perfect peace at last. The truly good and wise man cannot be a passionate partisan, but extends his sympathy to all, seeing no evil in others to be condemned and resisted, but seeing the sin which is pleasant to the sinner, and the after-sorrow and pain which the sinner does not see, and, when it overtakes him, does not understand. A man's sympathy extends just so far as his wisdom reaches, and no further. And a man only grows wiser as he grows tenderer and more compassionate. To narrow one's sympathy is to narrow one's heart, and so to darken and embitter one's life. To extend and broaden one's sympathy is to enlighten and gladden one's life and to make plainer to others the way of light and gladness. To sympathize with another is to receive his being into our own, to become one with him. For unselfish love indissolubly unites and he whose sympathy reaches out to and embraces all humankind and all living creatures has realized his identity and oneness with all and comprehends the universal love and law and wisdom. Okay, we will stop there. Hmm. Sympathy.
Maybe we can ponder that for a quick minute. So thank you for the musical interlude from Anya. That's from Watermark. So sympathy, James Allen. (laughs) Yeah, right? He's really talking about... I like how he says that the saint is the sinner transformed. And that, you know, even if each of us has overcome some of our own uh, shortcomings, if you will. Um, that's the best reason to look upon others and and be sympathetic. Understanding where they are. That they're, they don't understand yet. They haven't learned that lesson yet. So this is... Sympathy is a great chapter. I mean, they're all great chapters, and we'll continue reading from Sympathy tomorrow. One topic I wanted to talk about right now is, drumroll please, patience. Right? I don't know if we've talked much about patience, but... So, just a quick reminder, you're listening to The Mystic Show, and this is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness, and really the, pla- the, bleh, really the practical application of these higher principles, these higher values. So, we want to we learn about these higher values, spirituality and the unseen and otherworldly, as, as I say, but we also want to put it into practice. So part of putting it into practice is learning to be patient, <laughs> right? Because we're all changing. I mean, everyone who is consciously on their spiritual path is changing, They're becoming, well, you. You are becoming someone better, someone improved, someone perfected at some point, and someone saintly. I I still think it's really interesting how when you talk about being on the mystic path, mystical path, and... You say that, oh, you could, you know, become saintly or something. People just, most people don't even understand that. They don't aspire to that level of being. But you, listening to this show, you must. I believe you, the reason you're listening is because you aspire to some much higher level. So as we... As each of us is on our own spiritual path, you know, we meditate, we do whatever practice we're doing. Um, hopefully we have a spiritual guide that can help us or else it's like, you know, walking through the dark, which is <laughs> never, uh, never successful. Um, but as we learn and as we grow... We have to have patience, right? Because it sometimes it takes a while to learn things. 
And sometimes you want to make changes, but for some reason you just can't. I mean, it's happened to me in my own personal journey many times where, let's say after meditating for five years, all of a sudden I'm able to make a change. Let's say a certain change. Let's say to get up at a certain time in the morning every morning and meditate, just as an example. So it's suddenly after five years, just as an example, I'm able to do it. And, But I also know that for the past five years, I should have been doing it. It was part of what I was supposed to be doing, but I, for some reason, was not able to do it consistently. But after five years, let's say, I'm able to do it. So that's a, that's a victory, right? That, that's, a, that's a positive thing that I'm finally able to do it. But you could also look at it and say, wow, I was supposed to be doing it for five years. Wow. You know, it took me long enough. You know, and, and you could kind of beat yourself up for that. And even during those five years, you could beat yourself up every day that you didn't get up to meditate, let's say. Every day you couldn't do it, you could have said to yourself, oh, see, I'm not able to do it. I'm not doing it right. I'm, I'm disobeying. But that beating ourselves up is not really helpful. In fact, that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks on the spiritual path that I've witnessed and experienced in my own life is when each person or or when a person judges themselves and judges their progress. Because judging yourself and judging your progress is literally impossible. You you cannot do it. It's physically, spiritually, everythingly impossible because you can't see yourself. Because we have that ego, right? We have the false conception of self built into our real self. They're kind of like intertwined. So just as say, just as James Allen said that you cannot have sympathy for a person who is who has achieved greater wisdom than you, but they can have sympathy for you because they have greater wisdom. They've already learned the lessons that maybe you're going through. So, right, we have to be patient with ourselves and not judge ourselves on the path. I think that's the hardest thing. In fact, that becomes like a mental, it's like a mental game you can start playing with yourself where every day you're sort of evaluating, am I doing good today? Was I good today? Was I bad? Oh, oh, the last three months I've been getting better or, oh, the last six months I've been getting worse. And I mean... This is how we judge our own lives, really, but also our spiritual practices. And it's really not helpful. So it seems so awkward to most people just to do your spiritual practice and leave the results and leave everything else up to the universe. Leave all the judgment, leave all the evaluation, leave everything up to your higher power. And you just do your spiritual practice. Because if it's a practice that is effective, you will grow. You will evolve. It's it's really not possible if you put in the effort. It's not possible for you to be stagnant. It's just not possible. That doesn't mean you're going to become a saint in three months. And that's exactly where patience comes in. 
So we have to learn patience. It's a major quality. And if you look how everything is done so slowly around you, I mean, observe nature. You know, the cycle of the seasons. Even the the daily temperature. I mean, it doesn't go from 40 degrees to 70 degrees in three minutes. Right? It takes seven hours or nine hours, whatever it is. I mean, things happen slowly in nature. There are some things that happen quickly. Like if lightning strikes and there's a fire, yeah, fires move a little quickly. But for the most part, when it comes to living and evolving and 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 growth and dying and that sort of evolution, it happens very slowly. And time is really the master. I mean, nothing can change the course of time right time is time is flowing it's going to continue to flow no one can stop it and you can't speed it up for your pleasure <laughs> right so we have to if if we're on if you're living on planet earth and i think all of my all of the the listeners of the show are i don't think we're broadcasting on any other planets yet so I could be wrong. I mean, right? How do I know? Um, but if you're on planet Earth, you have to conform to time. It governs our lives. And change happens slowly. It Things take time. It takes time to cook food. It takes time to get into a meditative state. I mean, pretty much, the if you sit down to meditate... The first, you know, 10, 15 minutes is like, you're kind of like decompressing, you know? It takes time to get into a little deeper meditative state, most times. If you're really practicing meditating a lot, and with the guidance of someone who who is a true master, then then that can start to change, actually. Um. Yeah, so so patience, you know, biding one's time is man's biggest stumbling block. And it's necessary to wait for everything always. And that's the only way of evolution, time. So patience, I mean, it's not easy, right? I think, again, I'm not trying to judge myself, but I'm just using myself as an example, but I typically am not uh, the most patient human being. And, you know, I've evolved over time, but um, learning patience has really helped me a lot because when you think about every person is on their own spiritual journey, and they're they're evolving at their own speed. They're going to take their own time, and that's that's good, right? I mean, it, that has to be that way. That has to be good. So, if the universe wants it to take, you know, X amount of years for you to reach that next level, then that's good. We might not be able to speed it up. Now, some things you can speed up, but really, the only way you can do that is by effort. There's not like a magical way to speed up time and everything, but but if you put in the effort, if you put in the time to any endeavor, you will create results more quickly. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, if you meditate every day, you're going to gain regulation and control of your own mind faster than someone who sits on the couch and watches TV all day, every day, and does not meditate at all. So the other, the, the other balancing factor 
of um, patience is effort. And, and that's something we can control, right? You can control how much effort you put into your spiritual practice, your work, your family, your relationships, right? You decide how much effort you want to put in. Nobody decides that for you. So, so patience, I wonder if you have any anecdotes or stories or, or what's your experience with overcoming impatience? Or maybe you've always been a patient person. Have you? Well, you can send us a note or you can call us um, if you go to the website, www.themysticshow.net. You'll see our phone number. You can give us a call here and we can talk about patience. Um, but I guess I, I should have said that before we, we started the segment because um, right now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. That's what friends are for. That's uh, that's one of the greatest songs ever, in my opinion. Um, that's what friends are for. Elton John, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder. I mean, it's it's just an amazing song. You're listening to the Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran. We do the show every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. And we replay the morning show every evening at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern time. And then we archive them as podcasts. Every show is archived on our website, themysticshow.net. And you can browse there and see all the different topics we've discussed, the different guests we've had on. And... um and I just want to mention, when it comes to developing patience, which we were just talking about, and also sympathy, um, learning how to pause in your life is just a great skill to learn because when you pause, it gives you those moments to reflect on your patience, your sympathy, and also your effort, how much effort you're putting in. So... Um, the organization Pause Your Life is a great way to attend a retreat or a meetup and um, get together with other people and go through a program that helps you learn how to pause your life. The website is pauseyourlife.org. And yeah, I mean, think about it. I've, I've met so many people who say, you know, I just need a break. I just need to like, you know, hit the pause button on my life for like a week. Let me just give me a week so I can sleep and well, sleep <laughs> really that's a big part of it, I guess. And uh maybe read a little bit, you know, maybe go for a walk. I mean, our lives have become so crazy and relentless. I think that is the operative word, relentless right? Life just doesn't give you one second. So pause your life is a great way to just literally hit the pause button and be yourself. You know, drop all the titles you have, mom, sister, husband, salesman, you know, aunt, uncle, nice person, bad person, whatever title, whatever description you have of yourself, 
you will just drop it and you'll be a human being. Period. No titles, nothing. Just you as a human being. That sounds pretty cool, right? So pauseyourlife.org. And you can also sign up for the Daily Pause email, which you'll get um, an inspirational quote in your email every morning or every day, depending on where you live on planet Earth. And uh, that's a good way to just pause every day for a few moments or a minute. So I wanted to read another excerpt from uh, this book, 365 Tao, Daily Meditations by Deng Miao. And um, I can't remember what day this was from. It was a few days ago. The, the topic is loneliness. So loneliness. I just want to read this. It's pretty interesting. Um, again, on the, on the very top, there's like a little poem type thing. And then there's paragraphs underneath it that describe it. So here the poem is just two lines. Um, loneliness need not be despair. It could be an opportunity. Why are people lonely? It is because they feel no contact with anyone or anything else. They need to feel that they are valued, that they are part of something, and that their environment will respond to them. When that does not happen, they feel isolated. One of the major strategies for combating loneliness is to have a mate and family. That is not always perfect, and the problems of a relationship and family sometimes outweigh the terror of loneliness. It is far better to be self-sufficient. Then, whether one has loved ones or not, one will not suffer from loneliness. Some people claim that self-sufficiency is a myth. A person is a social animal, they declare. People cannot successfully live outside of some community. But that is not the correct way to understand true self-sufficiency. What we are referring to is a supreme sense of connection with oneself and the cosmos around oneself. This doesn't preclude community with others, but it does prevent the excesses and shortcomings that occur when society is one's only source of union. Tao surrounds us. One who is with Tao is never lonely, but is an integral part of the natural cycle. In the same way that water surrounds a fish, Tao surrounds us. If we feel lonely, then it is only because we are forgetting how we are totally immersed in Tao. That is why loneliness can be an opportunity. It reminds us that we are dwelling on our own egotistic identity rather than on the support of Tao. There you have it. That's loneliness from 365 Tao Daily Meditations. Right? Self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. That's very interesting. How you can be self-sufficient, but also be in the company of others as well. Right? And that, you know, the same way that water surrounds a fish, we are surrounded by, you know, Tao or divinity or, you know, the master's grace, however you want to say it. 
Um, so that's that's very interesting. I wonder what you thought about that little reading. And the link to that book will also be on the website. So right now I want to talk about visualization. Um, you know, about three and a half years ago, I published a book called Leap Beyond Your Limits. And it's basically a personal development book um, teaching different techniques techniques of goal setting and, um, you know, how to take efficient action, but also how to change our inner inner workings of our mind, how to, you know, sort of flex our mental muscles so we can achieve what we want to achieve. And one of these mental muscles is um, imagination. And I could spend, you know, hours talking about imagination. I mean, maybe maybe that'll be a topic on another, another show. Um, because... Uh, and I don't know why I was just reminded of um, what the bleep do we know? That's a that's a DVD presentation. What the bleep do we know? That's a that's a great one about reality and visualization and everything. But imagination is one of our mental muscles, and one of the ways we use that is through visualization. And visualization is basically just picturing in your mind. Well, anything. It's just making pictures in your mind. Mostly it's associated with uh, making pictures of your goals or your desired life or your desired results. You visualize them in advance. So if you have a goal that you want to climb Mount Everest, one of the ways of helping you do that, one of a very, very effective way is to, for the years and months leading up to your climb, you should visualize yourself climbing up the mountain and standing on the top and try to see it in your mind. You know, see the different colors, see the different views, see yourself, and you should be happy as well. <laughs> That's important. And then you should try to feel how you feel. But basically, visualization is is a great tool. And here's, here's, the, the, here's the unfortunate fact. Most of us, we use it in a negative direction. So instead of visualizing yourself on top of Mount Everest, most people would just visualize themselves climbing up and, and then falling down, you know, 10,000 feet and dying. You know, because they'd be afraid of that. Or they'd picture getting up there and like the one book I read, um, Into Thin Air. That's a great book. But some of these guys, they actually climbed up Mount Everest, but then they didn't make it down. So they they kind of reached their goal, but then, you know, part of their goal is making it down alive, I would assume. But they didn't. So visualizing, we often use it the wrong way. We visualize the wrong thing. We're, you know, a very common one also is when you're, if you're in an argument with someone else, you, even when you're not speaking to them, you can sort of continue the argument in your own mind. You picture what they say, you picture your response, and then you picture what they say to your response. And, you know, that's a form of visualization, actually, in a negative way. And it's definitely a negative way because it makes you feel bad, right? I mean, I don't think that's arguable. I mean, if you picture yourself falling off Mount Everest 10,000 feet and dying, do you feel good about that vision? <laughs> so I've done some visualization, well, I've done a lot of visualization in my life and I've helped others learn how to do it. And uh, I've, there's a great book, uh, which we're gonna get in. We're gonna focus on this book on another show, another episode. But um, the book is called "Your Invisible Power," and it's by Genevieve uh, B. Rand. And 
she talks about manifesting your goals and visualization and, you know, and, and of course you understand this is all very relevant to the mystic show and you on the mystic path to becoming who you want to become a mystic or a, a, a divinized person, right? So in, in a way that's your spiritual goal. So visualization is very relevant. I mean, it's almost indispensable, I would say. So some of the things about visualization, though, I just want to share a couple important points because, like I said, I've done my a good share of med, uh, visualization, and um, after you do enough of something, you can sort of look back and see when you did it well, when you didn't do it so well. And again, this isn't judging. This is just evaluating, right? And sort of tweaking yourself and learning how to do it better. Um, but there's times when I visualized which really worked better, and there's times that didn't work very well. And one of the things that helped me um, visualize successfully or more effectively was this whole idea that um, the universe is filled with, and I'm, I'm using Genevieve B. Rand's words and also Thomas Troward, who she was a um, she was a student of Thomas Troward, more like an apprentice actually, um, but that the universe is filled with this you know intelligent, formless stuff, and the power in your mind is really the same power as this intelligent, you know, stuff. So when you picture something in your mind, what you're actually doing is you're impressing it into that formless, intelligent stuff of the universe. And when you do that, the universe starts working to manifest that. And when you, if you visualize thinking that, okay, I'm sort of handing this over to the universe and the universe is going to work on this for me, you know, that's, that's a make, that's a pretty good feeling. Okay. I'm going to climb Mount Everest and I'm going to visualize it successfully. And because of that, the universe is going to start creating that for me. So that's an interesting fact. And Another tip for visualization is that to think that um, you can think that the universe wants to create it for you and has already started working on it. So it's almost, see, if you think it's all you and all your effort alone, then it becomes, <laughs> then the doubts come in. Oh, will I be able to do it? Can I really achieve this and all this stuff? But if you think that the universe or divinity is helping you, it's on your side, then you feel a lot more power at your back, right? So another thing about visualization is that we use the same creative energy that God does. So basically our minds are a center of power, basically, and the universe itself is one big center of power, and the power in our mind is the same that's from the, what some call the first mind of God, so, but, but obviously the power in our minds typically is very, is just a smaller, smaller version of the big power, right? The big power being God, the small power being the divinity inside your own heart, your connection to that intelligence or power, whatever that is, right? God. So we have the same energy to create things that the universe does. We can use our mind to create things. And that's what visualization and imagination and intuition and all these things, they that's what they really do. 
So another way to help you visualize successfully is to think that as you're visualizing, again, I'm using Mount Everest as a analogy that's probably not the best analogy, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, if you're visualizing yourself climbing Mount Everest successfully, it's it's really helpful to think that everyone else and everything else in the world is unknowingly playing a creative part in manifesting your goal. So you can basically think that all the people around you and everything around you is unknowingly helping you. They're helping you. They don't know it, but they are. And when you when you look around and you see other people and other things and situations and you really believe at in your heart that everything is there to help you, well, then guess what? Everything is there to help you. Huh. Yeah, and one more little tip here is that if you visualize and you're just kind of hoping or wishing that you can achieve it, like, oh, I hope I can climb Mount Everest, or, oh, gee, I really wish I, I can climb it successfully, that's a lot different than actually expecting to achieve the goal. When you visualize your goal and you, and you literally expect to achieve it, you know, it might take some time, but you there's no doubt you will achieve it. When you when you visualize with that expectation, the power of your visualization is much, much higher. And you feel you feel better about it too. You feel good about it. And obviously that's the whole key, because when you feel good about your goals and moving toward your goals, you're moving toward your goals with the proper energy or vibration and the and the proper vibration or energy in yourself is what's going to actually create the result so those are just a few tips on visualization it's a great tool for us to use on our journey and there's a lot more to be said about it there's a lot more to be learned about it we'll be we'll be talking a lot more about that but definitely visualization is a mystical power that we all have and we should use it. So believe it or not, that brings us, uh, as Doc South would say, to a merciful end. So I'm glad you could join the show today. I hope you enjoyed the topics. I hope you can go to our website themysticshow.net and maybe you can comment on this show you can browse previous episodes we're happy to have you along on this journey and we're interested to hear about your journey and any questions you may have any topics you want us to talk about so as you move through your day Keep smiling, and as always, keep shining.